This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right. When it comes to President Trump, I got to be honest. I love the guy. <laughs> yes, I love the policies. I love not losing to China. I liked a strong border. I liked law and order. I liked no unnecessary wars, deregulation, all that stuff. I also liked the style, quite frankly. Yes, even the tweets, okay? Now, unfortunately, it drives some people crazy. Trump derangement syndrome is a very real thing, and this is the ultimate manifestation of it. A raid on Mar-a-Lago. This is just crazy. And, you know, it actually gets crazier the more I think about it, the more time that goes by. What happened here? They're doing everything they falsely accused Donald Trump of doing, weaponizing the DOJ. Joe Biden made it very clear through his beloved New York Times back in April what he wanted to happen. I actually don't think that Biden was given a heads up about this specific raid. He didn't have to get one. He gave them carte blanche. All right. He was what's happening already with you guys. In April, in the New York Times, Mr. Biden confided to his inner circle that he believed former President Donald J. Trump was a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted, according to two people familiar with his comments. You got it? That's what the boss wanted. Next, Biden has said privately that he wanted Mr. Garland to act less like a ponderous judge and more like a prosecutor who is willing to take decisive action over the events of January 6th. So Joe Biden is using the... Justice Department to take out his political opponents. Don't give me that January 6th nonsense. He's using for that and also to protect his loved ones. You know, the FBI has been actively searching for the people involved with Ashley Biden's diary. Yes, Ashley Biden lost her diary and Joe Biden has made a federal case out of it, quite literally. And FBI agents have been hassling people up and down the East Coast because she lost her diary. Now, what really drives them crazy, and they want to somehow cancel them all over again, is that Donald Trump has the nerve to fight back. Uh, latest Truth Social, if we could, please. The DOJ and the FBI just returned my passports. Thank you. Unfortunately, they raided my home, Mar-a-Lago, eight days ago. They just opened their arms and grabbed everything in sight, much as a common criminal would do. This shouldn't happen in America. It shouldn't. But you know what? You're allowed to say these kinds of things. Yes, you are. But the fake news, they're trying to do it all over again. Get him kicked off of Twitter. Get him kicked off of Truth Social. He's dangerous. Tonight, federal agents at heightened risk. Barriers up at FBI offices and Secret Service posts hardened against new threats motivated by anger over the FBI search at Mar-a-Lago. It's okay to be angry. It's even okay to be angry with the police or the FBI. We all saw it. 300 million people live in this country. People are going to be upset. Unfortunately, there are maniacs out there. We don't want them to do anything 
but they've always done something well before Trump. I'll get to that in a moment. But first, it's his followers that can't be trusted. They're monsters. Oh, and of course, Donald Trump is a monster. I'm sure you've seen this joint FBI Department of Homeland Security bulletin. It's now warning of what they call unprecedented violent threats in the wake of the search of Mar-a-Lago. Do you hold the former President Donald Trump responsible for inciting his supporters? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent wolf. Defending himself against this unconstitutional raid is not inciting anybody. We're allowed to do this, okay? And this is not unprecedented, by the way. The FBI has been around a long time. I'll get to that in a moment. But again, this, uh, oh, we are calling for civil war. No, we're not. Nobody is. But that's how they are misrepresenting us in the Atlantic. Now they're calling for violence. This is by uh, Rhino Pete Weiner. Trump loyalists have reacted to the search of the ex-president's Mar-a-Lago residence with unhinged fury. Well, we're mad unhinged. I don't know. But look at this. The Gateway Pundit, a pro-Trump outlet, wrote, this means war. Of course, they mean war, right? I mean, with guns and stuff like that? No, of course not. War It's a metaphor, okay? I hear it used all the time, on the fake news at least. The Federal Reserve ramps up its war on inflation. We saw this proxy war sort of on full display. Trying to combat this virus. They're treating it like an all-out war. Is there a problem with that? Is there a problem with the word war? No. And in fact, when Democrats say they want violence, they don't always use the word war. But it's quite clear what they want. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. You've got to be ready to throw a punch. You have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I think I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take out now. Okay. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. All right, we can let this go on for hours. You get the idea. All right. This is the crazy stuff. This is stuff that puts people at risk. Not a couple of posts on the Internet. Often, it is Mr. Trump striking a match with his social media posts, accusing the FBI of being corrupt or planting information. You know, this is where the phrase enemy of the people comes to mind, actually. It's okay to say those things, especially if you just had FBI agents in your house for 12 hours looking through everything. He is perfectly entitled to say these things. And uh, you know what is really incendiary, I think the reporter said? Stuff like this, moments like this, when a police station burned and was glorified and sanctified by Democrats and the mainstream media. Now, back to this uh, unprecedented pressure on the FBI. We got to be real here about the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Um, It's been around a long time. And all kinds of things have happened. People, unfortunately, and there are laws against this, and it should not have happened, but people have been taking shots at FBI agents for, 
Well, for all too long, it happened actually as recently as last month before the raid. Some guy shot an FBI agent just for being, we believe, an FBI agent. Uh, earlier in last month, uh, Tyler Collins attempted to enter the FBI Buffalo office, charged with assaulting two agents. It goes on and on like this. Uh, in 2020, a man approached the FBI office in San Diego, seemed threatening, ultimately committed suicide. Over the years, so many examples. Hey, the Alfred P. Murrah, Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, the FBI didn't have a facility there, but the DEA, the ATF, Secret Service, and tragically, FBI agents have been killed in the field offices. Uh, these three heroes were shot and killed in the D.C. Uh, field office. This is long before Trump ever showed up. It happens. It's tragic, and it shouldn't. Uh, these two heroes shot and killed in El Central California in August of 1979. So, it happens. It shouldn't happen. It predates Trump. Of course, you can't blame this on him. You can't. It's unfair. And also, we've got to be real about the FBI as well. The men and women of the FBI, they're men and women, and they're not perfect. And they have a long history of agents who have been wrapped up in corruption and even matters far worse than that. Let's, let's take a look. Over the years, we have... This guy spying, uh, spying for Russia. This guy, <laughs> manslaughter. He killed somebody, killed uh, somebody he knew, a friend. Uh, Dave Mitteroni bribes. Oh, this case, Robert Hansen, very famous, spying for Russia. He's still in jail. Uh, the Russians are still killing people, we believe, based on information he provided. Uh, this guy, again, spying, this time for the Philippines. Oh, John Conley Jr. Uh, murder. He was uh, pulling off contract killings for the mobster Whitey Bulger, an FBI agent. Uh, this individual, let's see here, bribery and wire fraud. Yikes. Christopher Bauer, uh, sodomy against children, allegedly. Amberly Boyle, charged with domestic battery. David Harris, charged with sex crimes against minors across three states. Uh, this individual charged with attempted murder, assault, reckless endangerment. It goes on and on. Uh, Kenneth Yu, charged with assault, tampering with records, obstruction. I mean, we can go on and on and on, probably for another two hours, all right? So the FBI, men and women, men and women capable of great things and also <laughs> not so great things, all right? So another bizarre chapter right now, the reemergence of John Bolton. Do you remember him? Number one, he helped bring us the Iraq war. He had a senior position in the administration of George W. Bush. Donald Trump did make the mistake of making him the national security advisor. This guy is Mr. Swamp, and he knows where all the traps are. And I think he left some for, uh, for the former president. I was never aware of anything even remotely approximating that policy, uh, and I haven't heard anything uh, of it uh, since I left. Uh, if he, in fact, said something like that, when was it memorialized? When did the White House counsel write it down? Okay, he's talking about the president's authority to declassify things, and he may have declassified things just by decreeing it so. He's a swamp guy. Ooh, they didn't memorialize it. Memorialize it is swamp talk for writing stuff down. We'll get into more of that with Cash Patel, a great patriot and total expert on these matters. He'll be joining us in just a little bit, but one more word on, um, on Mr. Bolton. Does anybody remember this? He said this in 1994, and I think, quite frankly, it should have excluded him from public life. 
Secretariat building in New York has 38 stories. If you lost 10 stories today, it would make a bit of difference. Maybe he was just talking about the unnecessary bureaucracy of the United Nations, but some didn't interpret it that way. They thought it was a very aggressive thing to say about the United Nations, a flawed institution to be sure, but uh, nobody wants to see it blown up, right? All right. Meanwhile, the swamp is trying to ruin the lives of anybody who ever associated with Donald Trump. You heard about Alan Weisselberg. It looks like he's he was Donald Trump's accountant at the Trump Organization and by all accounts, a, a great guy. But they're getting him on trumped up charges, has nothing to do with Donald Trump as president. And um, they can get almost anybody on something if they come after you. I always liked uh, this gentleman, never met him, but I do remember him from The Apprentice. What was the charity? The charity was Kitty Kind. I know, but that's a cat charity. It's a pretty bad charity with respect to dogs. Well, it's an, it's an animal, animal rescue. The last thing the dogs want to know is that they're helping cats. Shouldn't you have thought more along the lines of services? Washing or grooming or trimming or massaging? Out of all the money you raised, 5% of it went to charity, which was $19. Do they actually massage dogs? From what I'm told, they do, Donald. What kind Only of job? Only God knows. <laughs> I don't want that job. I'd rather build buildings. <laughs> do they actually massage dogs, uh, Alan? I believe they do. Well, um, so another Trump associate is about to be convicted. And you add that to the list. And it seems like a long list, right? So-called criminals. But here's the deal. This list, as it grows, it doesn't implicate or tarnish Donald Trump or these individuals. Some exceptions, maybe Michael Cohen. Um, it implicates the Justice Department. They're out of control. The longer this list is, and Donald Trump isn't on it, they're the ones who should be embarrassed. Donald Trump remains beloved, okay? They can't stand this about him. You know, I heard last night Donald Trump said that uh, he thinks the temperature needs to be reduced. Everybody needs to dial it back. Okay, but you know what would really help? If the Justice Department did not raid the home of a former president and harass uh, people who had the nerve or the just good fortune of working with Donald Trump, that would help a lot in dialing things down in America. All right. Stay with us. Susan Rice. Do you know who she is? She's actually running the country right now. This woman who you never see, we believe, is totally in charge. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So this is Susan Rice. Um, have you ever heard of her? She's most famous for lying about Benghazi, all right, on national television. That's why they couldn't make her secretary of state in the Obama administration. Barack Obama loves her. Take a look at them. Uh, they are pretty, pretty chummy there. And we believe that uh, she reports to Barack Obama and Joe just might have to report to her. Susan Rice, not a kind person, seems to be intent on creating a one-party system. She's been heard saying as much. And again, 
known most famously for lying about Benghazi. Remember her, Susan Rice. She's pulling the strings. Also, Rudy Giuliani, more pressure on him. So unfair. This is a great man. History will ultimately vindicate him, but the pressure is enormous. And now a year and a half, a year and a half later, they're trying to give him a hard time about some phone calls he may have made to officials in Georgia. Look, he was doing the right thing for his client, yet uh, the fake news is going to town trying to destroy him. Rudy Giuliani is now a target of the criminal investigation into possible 2020 election interference in the state of Georgia. Who made the lies? It was Rudy Giuliani. And there is no exception for lawyers. I don't know what he's talking about. For someone who prides himself for being tough on crime, Rudy Giuliani sure manages to end up on the wrong side of criminal investigations an awful lot. So 18 months later, three months, less than three months before the midterms, they start making noise again about charging Rudy Giuliani. Well, you can they think these are incriminating phone calls. You tell me, does this sound like uh, somebody making you an offer you can't refuse? Rudy Giuliani calling state lawmakers just wanting to have a talk and letting them know about the power they actually have. Most of them didn't even realize it. Mr. Speaker, this is Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis. We're calling you together because we'd like to discuss Obviously, the election. Hey, Brian, it's Rudy. I really have something important to call to your attention that I think really changes things. I understand that you don't want to talk to me now. But I just want to bring some facts to your attention and talk to you as a fellow Republican. You know, it's a free country and you're allowed to pick up the phone and make phone calls. Unscrupulous prosecutors will try to find a way to make these phone calls seem illegal. They're not. Mr. Giuliani is on solid ground do not believe what they say about this man. Meanwhile, Joe Biden <laughs> back on vacation. The whole summer has been one big vacation. I don't feel totally cool with him being around uh, certain people on the beach. Uh, yeah, he's been at the beach. He's been bike riding. Uh, and uh, again, back on the beach this weekend. This is June, July, August. I haven't taken one decent vacation this summer. And here he is. Uh, every time you turn around, oh, by the way, Jill came down with COVID. I actually don't believe it. I don't believe that she has COVID. I think it's an excuse so she can stay in South Carolina. You know, Joe had to come back. More on that in a moment. Um, no, I don't believe Joe and I don't believe Jill in part because of, well, Jill and Joe have not been straight with us about how they met way back when in the 70s. Who was married? Who was single at the time? I'm sorry. They brought it up. They did. They make a big deal about how they met, and it's a fake story. Just ask Jill Biden's ex-husband. So you were friends with Joe Biden? Oh, yeah. Right before the election in 72, Jill, Joe, Nelia, and I were in his kitchen. How do you forget that? Stevenson says his first inkling something was up came when Jill refused to go with him to meet Bruce Springsteen, who was booked to appear at the Stone Balloon. He said, uh, Joe asked me to keep an eye on the boys. And I just thought to the back of my mind, hmm. One day, he says a man came into his bar and asked him to pay damages for a fender bender that involved Jill. He looks at me and he says, oh, she wasn't driving. <laughs> I said, her beloved Corvette, she wasn't driving it? He goes, Senator Biden was driving it. And I went, what? See that? What? How must that have felt, huh? 
he was friends with Joe Biden. And uh, so I don't believe Joe uh, for this and a million other reasons. And I don't believe Jill. I think she uh, wanted to stay in South Carolina. Now, Joe did come back briefly to sign some papers. Here he is leaving South Carolina to come back to sign that crazy uh, inflation reduction eradication act. Right. All that nonsense. And then it was right back on vacation. Yeah. This time he went to Delaware. Uh, Gosh, again, I personally resent it. All right. Because I'm not taking any time off barely this summer. Uh, Oh, a little bit on that crazy bill he just signed, or I guess now it's a law. The IRS, how much do they get? $80 billion. And you know about this, hiring the 87,000 IRS agents. Well, we really have to hope that the Republicans are able to undo this if they take back uh, power. Um, Joe has tried to emphasize, no, 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 the middle class have nothing to worry about. They have everything to worry about because the rich, they know how to do this. They have the accountants. They know all the tricks. Joe Biden knows all the tricks. Take a look at his tax returns. They're out there. You can find them. Yeah, Joe Biden and Jill Biden. And uh, do you have a corporation? Well, they formed a corporation, the Celtic Capri and Giacapa Corporation. In 2017, the year he leaves the vice presidency, $9.5 million, $9.5 million and almost $600,000 that he declared. Um, apparently, this is from uh, uh, book royalties. Nobody buys that, by the way. And Joe is a crummy, crummy writer. Um, I was really taken aback by this little passage in his first book. Take a look at this. There's another vivid memory I have of Hunt. He calls Hunter Hunt. It was maybe two years later. Hunt is just a little kid here. In the middle of one of our hangaround days, I put the question to him. So, Hunter, what do you want to be when you grow up? Hmm, That's an interesting question. Listen to what Hunter says, and Joe's reaction is wild. Uh, Hunter says, I want to be important. I knew what he meant. How about that? What would you say if your son said, I want to be important? What about, no, Hunter, it's not about that. It's about your contributions. It's about integrity. It's about so much more than being important. And Joe knew exactly what he meant. And it ended right there. That was the end of the chapter. That is pretty sad. All right, stay with us. Uh, Cash Patel will be here for more insight on all this nonsense about the classified documents. And also, it's election night throughout the country. We're thinking that Liz Cheney is going to lose. We have details now from our election desk. All right. Good evening, everyone. A big update right now from the Newsmax election desk. Newsmax has projected Harriet Hageman, the winner in Wyoming, defeating incumbent Liz Cheney. Now, that outcome was no surprise to anyone following that race. Take a look at the numbers here uh, with 23 percent of the votes in. You have Harriet Hageman uh, at 57 percent, almost 20 points. uh, She's leading Liz Cheney uh, with those votes in. Uh, The polls again closed at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And folks, moving on to the Republican primary uh, for governor in Wyoming. Newsmax also projecting Mark Gordon, the winner there. Mark Gordon, 62 percent to Brent Bean, 28 percent with 16 percent of the votes in uh, on that race in Wyoming. And another race that we are closely watching is the primary for U.S. Senate in Alaska, where incumbent Lisa Murkowski is on the ballot with 18 other candidates. A lot to watch tonight, folks, uh, as we await those numbers there. Uh, joining me now for some context on those races, Newsmax anchor Tom Basile and former advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump, Dick Morris. Gentlemen, 
Uh, great to see you both again this evening. Dick, let's talk about Alaska a little bit. Is it possible that Lisa Murkowski uh, might not be on the ballot in November? What do you predict? No, she will be. The rules of the primary promote four candidates, and she'll be one of those four. But a little background on Lisa Murkowski. Her father, Frank Murkowski, was the senator from Alaska. Then he ran for governor, but he didn't leave the Senate until after he was elected governor. So he would have the power as governor to appoint the best person he could find to succeed him, his, his daughter, Lisa Murkowski. So she got her Senate seat as a present from daddy. Alaska voters were so outraged that they passed a referendum initiative barring that nepotism in the future. Then when Lisa ran on her own in 2010, she lost the primary because the primary voters were outraged at how she got the seat. But Daddy was governor, and he manipulated the unions and the special interests to fund her campaign. I recount all this in my book, The Return. And she, so she went on uh, to, as an independent to run a candidacy. And the Republican basically beat her on election night, but using absentee ballots and miss and paper and uh, missing mail-in ballots, she prevailed. And the judge who decided in her favor in this hotly disputed runoff was appointed by, you got it, Frank Murkowski, Lisa's father. So this is some pedigree to take into the Senate. It, it sure is. And Tom, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Alaska primary, because it's different uh, from what we've seen in other states. They participate in something called ranked choice voting. So the top four candidates in Alaska will make the ballot in November. Could you explain that for our viewers, how it works? Yeah, this is basically what they call a jungle primary and with ranked choice voting. So it's kind of two very, uh, very uh, sort of odd political constructs going on at the at the same time here. So you will get four people who will come out of uh, of tonight who will go into November. And again, this could mean that Lisa Murkowski survives. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how that impacts voter turnout as well. It seems a, a little bit confusing, perhaps, for some voters. Uh, folks, we'll keep it here. Another update in just a few minutes. We'll go back to Greg Kelly reports after the break. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Take a look at this. What a rap sheet this guy had. I mean, can you imagine a guy like Alexander Wright walking the streets, 40 prior arrests? Uh, I mean, a bad, bad dude. And then one day, he did this. So that was May of last year, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 months ago. You would imagine a guy like that would still be in jail, right? No, he's out, not in prison, walking around. And he did it again. 
The same guy did it again. His name is Alexander Wright. Allegedly, he attacked this man, a hardworking individual in a subway station, walked up behind him and attacked him real bad. This guy is still in the hospital. Kind of amazing, right? The first attack was an anti-Asian hate crime, we believe. This homicidal nutjob violence, the fake news never connected the two. It's the same guy, Alexander Wright. All the write-ups missed it, okay? There's no follow-up on what happened to that woman, the Asian woman who was hit last year, and now this happens. No mention of the 2021 attack. Across the board, CBS, uh, let's see, the Daily News, PIX11. These are major media companies, and they don't point out that it's the same guy. We have a major problem here, folks. It doesn't look like he was even convicted. Was he out on bail? It looks like they're very, they keep these records. They're hard to find. Again, this man did this to that poor woman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A guy like that needs to be in jail or in a uh, mental asylum for a long time. And less than 13 months, he was walking the streets again. Hey, did you hear about this woman? Julie Jaman, 80 years old, permanently banned from her local YMCA pool in Washington state because she wasn't comfortable with a transgender person in the women's locker room. Totally, totally understandable. They kick her out of the YMCA and they were bullying her across the community. So she wanted to get her version of the story out. She tried. She was shut down by the T in LGBTQ community. This poor person, right? Leave her alone. Trans rights is human rights. That woman has the right to dress with biological women only. Undress dress in the women's locker room. This is crazy stuff. Also, <laughs> Joe Biden has a pair of sunglasses. So what? The return of Aviator Joe. The New York Times, you know, they always cover for this guy. Ray-Ban 3025's the dark wire rim teardrop shaped sunglasses. He has made his signature that once again seemed the emblem of the man. I think falling down and not making sense. Isn't that the signature and emblem of this man? What else did the New York Times write today about these silly sunglasses? It's the attitude as much as anything, even taking it into account, even taking into account the glare of the summer. He's not just wearing sunglasses now. He's wearing shades. Give me a break. Uh, it continues. You know he's having a good month when you see him uh, uh, wearing these dumb things. Oh, this is the dumbest thing in the world. And also, I'm going to tell you something. Joe, with these glasses, take a look at him. I think they're kind of creepy. I don't think he should be wearing sunglasses like this. Personally, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. There was a movie back when I was a kid. It was called Burnt Offerings, and the chauffeur in it wore sunglasses just like Joe's. This is a horror movie, and it, look at this guy, right? Doesn't that look like Joe a little bit? Um, yeah, it does. Well, maybe not. Anyway, uh, bad dreams. We'll be right back.
So there's President Trump and his trusted lieutenant, Cash Patel, former chief of staff at the Department of Defense, former deputy assistant to President Trump for counterterrorism, and now a Newsmax contributor. Cash Patel, so glad to have you here. And I understand you've been with the president uh, not too long ago. Uh, How's he doing and what's his next move, if you can share anything? Yeah, thanks so much for having me back on your show. It's great to be with you, Greg. And um, yeah, he's in great spirits. He's literally in the best, some of the best moods I've ever seen him in. And I think it's because he realized uh, what the rest of America realizes. And that's the monstrous overreach and politicization of our law enforcement agencies to hunt down political targets based on false information. And the deck just keeps stacking against themselves. Russiagate, impeachment one, impeachment two, Jan 6, now this. Nobody's even talking about January 6th anymore. (laughs) So, you know, he just keeps going. It is amazing. Um, Hey, Cash, I want to show you something. Uh, Maybe I'm being a little bit too simplistic here, but I think I'm onto something. This is President Trump on January 20th of 2017, leaving the White House, going to Marine One. Now, I think all of this stuff with the documents is kind of phony. Go ahead and roll the tape, please, if you have it. There he is. You'll notice something. He's not (laughs) carrying anything. (laughs) Cash, I mean, he has no documents on him. I don't think they reasonably could accuse Melania of stuffing anything in her purse. Isn't this germane? Isn't this relevant? I mean, I'm sorry. If they're going to tag him with having all this stuff he shouldn't have, which I don't believe, by the way, isn't this significant? It's actually pretty critical. Look, as a former national security prosecutor, you know, you kind of want the evidence to bake a cake or bring charges. And the GSA has already admitted they were the ones who handled and packaged all these boxes. And they've already admitted that they botched some of the boxes that were supposed to go down there. Now, the difference in this two-tier system of justice we have in America is that Hillary Clinton actually holds electronic contents, emails of classified information. And the FBI director then admits that she did that. So she actually had possession. It's not as if Donald Trump strapped these things to his back and le- jumped aboard Air Force One and moved them and unpacked them, and you know, even if they were classified, which I don't believe they are. So it's, a, it's actually a critical piece of evidence that I guess the Department of Justice um, couldn't find their way to see. By the way, I want to um, show you something that I think a lot of folks have forgotten. The National Archives in 2017, it's a federal agency, they put out a tweet shortly after President Trump fired Jim Comey as the FBI director. Fun fact, President Nixon never fired the director of the FBI. Ha, 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 ha. Now, this became a thing. This is the swamp. This is a federal agency making fun of the commander-in-chief. They had to apologize for it, do that whole, oh, we're retraining the individual involved. Did you Do you see something sinister there? The National Archives are not to be trusted in any of this, and I think that's significant right there. All the way back then, they were giving the president a hard time. Yeah, it's a a political operation. And look, that's a great piece of evidence. And here's another one. The same operative that used to run the National Archives, who's responsible for referring this matter to the Department of Justice, this matter being the records at the archives that are supposed to go to the president and then be released. This same individual came out publicly and said he refused to refer Hillary Clinton to the Department of Justice for leaking classified information. Why? because he just felt it wasn't appropriate. And as Donald Trump's representative to the National Archives now, I'm still continuing the slugfest to break through the political nonsense to get the documents to the American people that they should have, that President Trump declassified. 
It is so wild. Cash, I got a couple more questions. We've got to take a quick break. Please stay and we'll be right back. Uh, Eight days ago now, August 8th, 2022, a day that will live in infamy. Although maybe it's just a big joke. I mean, I got to tell you, hey, I want to bring Cash Patel back. Cash, uh, you know, sometimes when we start talking about, well, declassification authority rests with, I feel like we're playing their game. The whole thing is a joke and a fiasco. Are we setting ourselves up if we start debating the little nitnoid details of what's classified and what's not? Or do we have to do that? I think part of it is um, we have to educate the American public because they don't know this stuff, nor should they, right? They they rely on their government to get it right. And when a president who has universal declassification authority, once he says those words and issued multiple statements declassifying sweeping sets of documents for the American public on Russiagate, Hillarygate, and so many other things so he can be the most transparent president in history, is blocked by the very government with, with bureaucratic gymnastics from Getting this information to the American people, we have to educate them a little bit on the process. But you're right. We shouldn't fall down that rabbit hole too far. This is just a political uh, witch hunt of a political target by a law enforcement agency that was hijacked long ago by Christopher Steele, his dossier, and the Democratic Party. On that declassification authority, which he does have... I've heard in the fake news, well, if he didn't write it down, it doesn't count. John <laughs> Bolton was on there saying he has to memorialize it, which is swamp talk for writing things down. Um, I don't think that's true, but you're the expert. So, look, as the former deputy director of national intelligence in the Trump administration, that is 100 percent not true. He can stand over a box and say declassified. That's it. Game over. The DNI, the director of national intelligence, has to abide by that unilateral classification authority. John Bolton, it's well known, hates the president. You do not ever have to memorialize it. Now, it's good practice for your lawyers to subsequently memorialize it. And if they fail to do so, that's on them. But that doesn't defuse or, or reverse the declassification. And not to mention, Donald Trump also put it in writing in October of 2020. He issued a tweet. (laughs) Uh, It does seem like a very bureaucratic thing to do. Well, I didn't get a form. I didn't see a form. Um, Let me ask you this about the General Services Administration. You know, the boxes were just sitting there for a while. And um, it is totally conceivable, quite frankly. These boxes are just sitting there um, that somebody could have stuck something in there that shouldn't have been in there. And let's talk a little bit about the GSA, the General Services Administration, something else the general public knows very little about, but they're very powerful, very big and in charge of logistics, custodial issues. And uh, they basically make things run. How are you worried about that, that they stuff something in there, GSA or not, that shouldn't have been there and they're trying to set them up? I'm worried about the continued corruption at the FBI and DOJ. Maybe GSA's in on it, but do we know these guys not only stuffed things into Russiagate that were lies, but then went to federal courts and lied about them knowing about it. They did the same for impeachment in January 6th. And these same counterintelligence FBI agents from those cases are involved in this case. So that's what worries me. And here's the counterargument, this whole, you know, you know, the government is so concerned about these secrets that Donald Trump had in the basement of Mar-a-Lago that they waited two years to get them. And then when they got the search warrant on a Friday, they gave the FBI the weekend off before they did the raid because <laughs> the material was so sensitive and classified. That's uh, 
Very fishy. Hey, finally, you know, I heard you on the Mark Levin show uh, not too long ago. And forgive me for asking. You said it on the radio. You would have paid $200,000 in legal fees and you did nothing wrong. You just had a test. Is that an accurate figure? Yeah, for my Jan 6 subpoena, I was the first one sub- subpoenaed by that committee. It was a, it's been fun. And so that's kind of the strategy sometimes. If they can't yeah. you know, accuse you or find you guilty of something, they'll just try to bankrupt you. I, somebody came up to me from the Trump administration. It was off the record. So they said if they can't convict you, they'll try to bankrupt you. Have you heard of that happening before? Yeah, Do you think that's on their minds? That's these scare taxes. The Jan 6 committee has issued, what, hundreds of subpoenas to junior staffers terrifying yeah. them and, and threatening them with an FBI investigation. You know, when you come at guys like me, you're coming after the wrong guy because I got truth on my side and I'm going to figure a way out to serve the American public by giving them the truth. The Jan 6 committee, of course, didn't want to hear it. But a lot of people buckle under that pressure when you don't have the facts. You have the fake news media and you threaten people with um, fake investigations so they cower to your whims. And we can't do that in this country. You got the truth on your side and you got courage. You got guts. Go ahead, everybody, and check out Fight With Cash. Go to fightwithcash.com. They're raising money to wage these battles and they can be expensive. Fightwithcash.com. Thank you, sir, to be continued. Thank you so much. Have a great night. You bet. You bet. And we're going to check in with the election desk right now. Hi, good evening, everyone. Another big update from the Newsmax election desk. Take a look at the numbers coming out of Wyoming. Newsmax has projected the winner in the at-large House race, and Harriet Hageman takes that contest over incumbent Liz Cheney. Right now, uh, 62% of the vote for Harriet Hageman, Liz Cheney at 34%, and those polls closed at 9 p.m. Mark Gordon uh, in Wyoming uh, for governor. Uh, he is, Newsmax has projected Mark Gordon will be the winner of the Republican primary Uh, for governor there. And moving along to a race that's too close to call is the primary for secretary of state with Trump endorsed candidate Chuck Gray. We are keeping a close eye on that, folks. And let's bring in now Newsmax senior political analyst Rick Santorum. Senator, it's great to see you this evening. We don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to jump right in here. Uh, But talk to us about the impact on voter enthusiasm. We saw the polls going into this race, uh, particularly with Liz Cheney. Uh, It looked like Harriet Hegeman would prevail, and she did. Does this change voter enthusiasm Heading into the midterms uh, on either side of the political aisle. Well, it was a great night for Donald Trump, bad night for Liz Cheney. If you look at the numbers, it's sort of incredible uh, that the Republican turnout is huge, but a lot of Democrats voted in the Republican primary. In, in Teton County, for example, which is where Jackson Hole, Wyoming is, you had uh, in January of this year, there were 1,500 more registered Republicans and Democrats. By election day, there were 4,000 more Democrats registered than, uh, excuse me, other way around. 4,000 more Republicans registered than Democrats. There was a 5,500 vote swing. Democrats moving to register Republican to vote again for Liz Cheney. So Donald Trump motivates voters, Democrat and Republican voters in both parties. And, and, and that's what you saw in Wyoming today. Trump still has the magic of getting people to the polls in both parties. Well, he sure does. And so that raises the question that many have been asking and wondering. Trump has hinted at it Uh, as we look towards 2024. uh, There's been some debate as to whether he would announce before the midterms, after the midterms. Of course, we saw the FBI raid that perhaps is more incentive. Do you think perhaps now uh, with Liz Cheney in the rearview mirror almost, uh, will we see an announcement any sooner? What do you predict? 
I, I hope not. I, I, I think there are enough people telling the president that it would be a bad thing for him personally to inject himself into this election this in this cycle. Uh, it would hurt him politically, and it would probably damage some of the candidates that he endorsed. I think he'll hold off to after the 2022 election, and it'll be the best thing for the party for him to do so. Very interesting. Well, we're, of course, going to be watching that very closely. Senator Rick Santorum, uh, thanks for being with us tonight. It's great to see you. My pleasure. Thanks, Jen. All right. For complete coverage from today's primaries, tune into Newsmax for Wake Up America with Rob Finnerty. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. 587 days without justice for Ashley Babbitt. What happened should never have happened. We demand justice. I know someday we will get it. Oh, some good news. She lost, huh? Liz Cheney is gone. Perfect. That's some great news, okay? She lost, and congratulations to Ms. Hageman, who beat her. Anyway, see